0: Hello baseball fans, Matthew here with a new episode of the British Baseball Podcast and this week I have the absolute pleasure of chatting to Sky Sports presenter and one half of MLB's bases covered, Max Whittle. Max shares an insight into how he managed to get one of the best gigs in the world by getting to talk about sports for a living and what steps he took to get there. Take notes, girl listeners. We also chat about sporting icons he's interviewed, celebrity all-star games versus the London Mets, online chess, and much, much more. I managed to learn a lot from Max and I hope that his tips and advice will pay off in the long run. Now here comes that groveling bit. If you've made all your charity donations and finally got a few uh, loose coppers burning a hole in your pocket, you could always head over to buymeacoffee.com, forward slash brick Baseball Pod. And for the price of a copper, you can help me out by by helping me out, really, with, uh, with this podcast. So uh, much as gracias. I hope you enjoy this one, and uh, I'll see you on the other side. You're listening to the British Baseball Podcast. <laughs>
1: So, but listen, I, I really appreciate. It's nice to, you know, talk to someone who watches the show. Obviously, we get a lot of feedback online, but it's nice <laughs> to actually talk to people, especially here, because that's ultimately our goal. I know the new series of bases covered is is actually on MLB's YouTube as an international this year. Last year it was geo-blocked to the to Europe only. Um, and it was all about growing the game in the UK, particularly. But this year, it's opened up to a wider net. So it's nice to speak to people, especially in this country, who are watching it, because I think it, it's it's we know what the message should be and we know what the goal is. Um, but talking to people like yourself, it, it just kind of reiterates that we're doing the right thing. I hope.
0: How did you get involved with it? Then did like was it like your own brainchild, or did someone approach you to come with it?
1: So I was in. Uh, Paris. It was January 2020. I was in Paris for the NBA game, and I was just starting with Sky Sports at the time. So it was a big, it was a big period for my career and a big step for me. First time doing television work, uh, live TV anyway. And I had an email from one of the producers of the company that actually works with MLB to produce this show, and uh, it basically said, "We're starting an MLB YouTube channel." Uh, oh, sorry, we're starting a show for the MLB YouTube channel. And we'd like to do a pilot with you and someone else. Um, So that's where it started. And I read the email and I, I didn't know what to make of it because I'd actually worked with MLB UK in 2017 as a video producer. So I worked with a digital company who produced video content for MLB social channels here. And it was a bit of a struggle, I must say, the whole season. I didn't really know what my role was. I didn't quite know what the goal was. And there was this challenge between... Okay, what is, what is MLB UK's goal here? Do we, do we just make content for the hardcore fans like yourself? Do we just go towards the people that know the sport uh, and already have a team and they stay up late to watch games? Or do we sell it to the next gen, the new fans that might not love baseball, the game itself, but we can sell the fashion, we can sell the, the culture around it? And there was that fine line, that, okay, where are we going with this? And we never quite knew. So when I saw this email, long story short, I wasn't quite sure what this show would be. Uh, and originally it was actually supposed to be a kind of highlights wrap. So a weekly show where Jamel and myself, my co-host on Basis Covered, would actually just talk about the games in a fun way. And lockdown actually helped us. Um, and we can go on to what happened after that. But that's when I first heard about it, January 2020. And we actually started filming, I think it was in May that year. So we did a pilot in March. And because of lockdown, obviously things slowed a little bit. We went to spring training. We got back. And then the season was suspended. So it was um, an interesting time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There, there's some great footage from the uh, spring training. The, the, the show itself uh, is really, really good. And it's a great format as well. It's, it's Thank you. bite size chunks. And it's really cool. Uh, who came up with the idea then for the, the All-Star game uh, versus the London Mets?
1: So shout out to our producers and our team at the Wild. It's Jungle Creations and the Wild are the companies that uh, help us, you know, create this show. And they've got some amazing people that work there. They work on so many different accounts. Really successful company. And Major League Baseball is definitely a new, exciting project for them. Uh, basically, what happened was when we went to spring training. As as one of the presenters, I wasn't quite sure what the goal was even then. Okay, so we're out here making content, but where is it fitting in our show for that season? What does our show look like? We didn't yet know really, which sounds doesn't sound great, right? We got back, locked down, the season was suspended, and I was okay. This is this is bad because this is the re- a project I really want to work on. I love baseball since I was a young kid. Uh, what's going to happen? And they got back in touch with us about a month later. Obviously, MLB had conversations with Jungle. Okay, what's the plan? And they said, okay, we're going to do a series. We're going to build a celebrity baseball team. Each week, you're going to have a new guest come on or two guests. One will join the team. The other one will do a challenge, for example. And that's where it really started. It was their brainchild. It was a great idea. And it allowed us to have fun with a guest because every week we were like, okay, we're doing a show on food. So who do we get on? Okay, let's get Leah Shakiva, who's a speed-eating, world-record-holding yeah. foodie. Uh, she wasn't actually part of the team originally, but she, she made the game uh, in August against the London Mets, as you say. But we had people like Liv Cook, football freestyle champion. Ovi Soko is in our next series. But just people that we could explore, that we could explore their careers with them, and then we could fit them very nicely into our team. And we had 10 episodes, and as you know, a baseball team is nine players. So we had one show where... Um, I can't even remember what we did now, but we selected nine players. And then every show at the start, we would always say the same thing. When lockdown and the restrictions lift, we will have a game. And that's what we were always hoping. But to let you in on a behind the scenes moment, like every time we recorded at the end, we'd all be sat there saying, just imagine if we could actually play this game. We didn't think it was going to happen. There, were, right. there was plan B, there was plan C, but... To, to actually get everyone together in August, do it safely. It was a lovely day. And to play against the London Mets. And that's the episode I would suggest people watch if they haven't seen bases covered because it was all these great characters coming together. Micah Richards was there. He hit the home run. And you just, you see baseball in a different light. So it was a really fun series to be to be a part of.
0: Yeah. what's the, the end game with uh, season two, you've got another game lined up or is it just going to be usual interviews?
1: So we had, obviously, we had the road trip in Series 2 at the end of last year. We did um, a virtual road trip across America, um, exploring the teams around Major League Baseball. This year, everything's changed. As you know, I know you've been watching it. We've got this new series, Heavy Hitters, and we actually were able to film in person. So that was always our goal. But because we had lockdown, because we evolved the show, because we had so many guests on. I mean, we had, um, I'll answer your question, but we had... Matthew Lewis, who played Neville Longbottom in Harry Potter, the actor, he came on our show in the second series. It was the last episode we were in, in LA and he's a Dodgers fan and he lives in Florida with his wife. And it's these things you have no idea. You would think that Matthew Lewis is a huge baseball fan, comes on our show. He's now a friend of the show. So we've been able to have these guys back on and Micah, as I mentioned, who hit the home run on game day, when he came on our show, um, And I can't remember the exact context for him joining the team, but it was like, you know, the power, the big guy. He was uh, up and coming in the media at that point, obviously a huge star now. And he just got it straight away. Like we started chatting to him off air before we started. He was just so good. He had his Dodgers jersey on. Man City had gone to LA in 2011 um, on their preseason tour. So he'd actually been to Dodgers Stadium. Joe Hart threw out the first pitch. So Micah was technically a Dodgers fan already. And he's com- coming on our heavy hitters series. So it's we've been able to kind of get guests back on that we, we would call friends of the show. We're now back in person again. We're filming this series. It's going to be really exciting. It's kind of like um, a virtual reality home run challenge. And we have a chat around it. And it's this bar in London called Home Run House, um, which I didn't know existed before we started filming the series. Um, so that's really been our goal, to get back in person, to, to, to find an identity for the show. And Jamel and I have actually been able to really um, work on our chemistry together and we, obviously spending more time in person really helps the show. So that's kind of the goal now. Um, I won't tell you yet what is planned for later in the season, but it's um, it sounds exciting.
0: Excellent. All this stuff. Uh, so can we take you back then to, um, like we, we discussed just before we started recording, um, this is a rare opportunity for me to do something back for the British baseball community for some of the youth listeners. Um, there might be a lot of high school kids that are out there uh, people looking at going to college that are making the next steps and are, w- are watching your show um how can you tell us when you knew that you wanted to become a presenter um was there any sort of defining moment or any sort of incident or is it something you always wanted to do as, as a kid
1: no so i actually wanted to um study sports management and, and run a gym that was my idea i had a like um all these plans to uh, because i'm a very active person i always wanted to do something in that realm coaching or or a gym management position and how this whole journalism thing started i was playing basketball in spain and uh, i wanted to become a college player in america or go pro in europe um turns out i'm too small too slow but i was i was okay and i was out in gran canaria missed home a lot so i started reading the newspaper uh, miss football, just wanted to read the sports pages. So I got the British papers over there and I decided suddenly that I wanted to do journalism. I know I'd always written um, logs and stuff at home as a kid, but never presenting. So I came home, I quit the academy. I signed up to do sports journalism at Southampton Solent University. And that was kind of it, really. As, a, as In terms of presenting, I think I was going to university to learn how to write. And at the university, they had loads of studios, radio and TV. And that's where I discovered the multimedia element. And I loved it. And I always listened to Talk Sport as a, a, you know, 18 to 21. That's all I did. Every day, 24 hours, I left the radio and I loved it. Um, And one of my first work experience slash jobs at uni was at Talk Sport. Um, And it was so cool. Like I was meeting presenters that I really was fond of, like Adrian Durham, uh, Mark Saggers, um, who else Andy Goldstein these were shows that I just loved and listened to all the time and to meet these guys that's when I was like okay I want to be a presenter I love I love these guys I love what they do I love what they stand for I love their knowledge their passion the way they deliver um, and I and I, I heard people talk about it in a negative light as well like a lot of people don't like Adrian Durham like it kind of wind people up but when I saw how he worked how he prepared for shows it was just fascinating so that's when I kind of fell into it it was never always a goal of mine. I, I didn't know whether I'd be on the production side or not. That's where I started. I've only really been presenting for two or three years now uh, properly. And um, I, I do I do enjoy it. I get a, a proper buzz
0: from it. That's awesome. Um, it was a British baseball community that got me um, hooked into the sport and made it so important to me but what is it that got you hooked into baseball because like if people aren't familiar with your instagram and, and your posts you, you are into basketball you, you also present basketball on on um, sky sports is, is basketball your main love
1: um i just want to flip that around and ask you like how did you which accounts did you find and when, when was this recently
0: uh, no, I've I've followed your Instagram stuff for quite a bit, so I, I've no, seen. No, like, how did
1: you get into baseball though? You oh, how did I get the, into? The community, um, yeah.
0: Well, it was I was I've always been to the um, American sports per se like ice hockey, basketball, um, the NFL, and I, I was really into baseball as a kid like with video games and playing it around at friends' house like well what I thought were the rules, and then it wasn't until the London series. And I was looking for somewhere to watch it because I told the idea of going and watching them. I couldn't afford the tickets. And I was Googling it and I, f- I came across Manchester Baseball Club and they invited me and my toddler to come down to the clubhouse to, to watch the game with them. Uh, we went down there and as soon as we got there, they, they gave us a playing catch with them, uh, made a big foot over the little and had a ball in his hand, taking grips and throwing and catching with him. And we both loved it. We had a really great day. We, we watched the game. Uh, we talked to the players and um, they said, oh, you should come down for, for training on Thursday nights, but I'll come make it because of my work schedule. But I said, well, when you do your normal um, training on a weekend, I'll, I'll pop down. So I thought, well, I'm not going to wait until training. I'm going to go and uh, watch the game. So I took him down in his little little tricycle and we'd walk around the, the field. <laughs> and as soon as we got there, again, the players were just talking to us. Uh, Danny, one of the players, gave Melton a ball and we still got it and uh, just playing catch for him. And again, just, just talking to us, we watched the game. We had a really good day. And I was just like, this is amazing. I, I, I need to I need to follow up on this. I need to do a bit more. And then like here I am now, podcasting about British baseball and, and loving every minute of it, it's, it's just superb. The, the people that I've, I've managed to meet along the way and talk to in the minds and knowledge uh, that people have given me. As a 40 year old novice, I've got national team managers, uh, managers of clubs players everyone offering support and it's all for the the greater good of the game i've got like liverpool um players offering a manchester player advice and help and support There's <laughs> like there's no rivalry until it's game time no. and everyone in the, the british baseball community's got like the passion and love for the sport and just wants the best for it and wants it to grow it's everyone's amazing.
1: friendly right that mm-hmm. that's that's the thing i found everyone even people at the high end of this my industry like colin murray is a massive blue jays fan yes. if you talk if you t- message him about baseball get back to you because he loves the sport and it's still quite rare to hear from people in this country about that about baseball i love when people message me on, inst- on instagram or twitter about the game and what we're doing like yourself like i love it because it's nice to find other people that love the sport and It was kind of uh, for me, it was I actually remember going to the Caribbean in 2003. I was only eight and they had baseball on all the time on TV. I I didn't know at the time. Obviously, we know that countries uh, around there, the Dominican Republic, for example, absolutely love baseball. And I think my first trip to the States when I was seven was Boston. We actually stayed in Cape Cod, which is very far from Boston itself. But I remember specific I remember very vividly driving past Fenway Park. And the year after, as I said, we were in the Caribbean watching baseball with my dad at the house we were staying at. I didn't know anything about the game then. I actually never knew how many innings were in a game. Every time I turned the baseball on in in the Caribbean, it was like the bottom of the seventh or top of the fifth. And I was like, I didn't want to know how long a baseball game was because it always intrigued me. So I just kept turning it on at random times. So after that kind of little foray into it, I bought a baseball from Hard Rock Cafe Boston. Um, but at this point, I wasn't, I wasn't all in yet. And then we went to L.A. in 2004. I sound like a very spoiled child. We had some very fortunate <laughs> trips abroad when I was younger. Um, 2004, went to L.A. and that was my first game. We went to Dodger Stadium, watched the Dodgers against the Braves. I still remember, you know, Jeff Weaver was pitching. Adrian Beltre was a Dodger back then. Sean Green, some really big names. Rafael Facall for the Braves, who actually played for the Dodgers later in his career. My mum, bless her. I always tell this story. She packed cheese sandwiches in tinfoil, took them to the game with us. I mean, obviously, um, it's just an amazing story, really, to think that we 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 didn't think you could buy crappy junk food at the stadium. We brought our own cheese sandwiches, um, and I just I just remember everything about that day, like seeing the stadium from the top of the um, top of the, the the stadium. First, look over the the hill there to the to the diamond, and seeing. Uh, I don't know if anyone's been to LA and seen the Dodgers, but there's a the hills behind. You've got Think Blue, like the Hollywood sign, but it says Think Blue. It's it's amazing. Remember that. Remember the game itself. Dodgers won 7-4. That's how I got into it. No, family taking me to a game, and I was I was sold from that point on.
0: Awesome. Uh, I, I like the idea. Like I've, I've never been to the States, and I've, I've never been to a, a live MLB game. But there's one thing I love in the stadiums is, is beautiful backdrops. like Andy Brown, the artist, this is one of his... Uh, paints up there, he does some great stuff and like most of the time it's the scenery and the backdrop that he's got in with, with the rest of his artwork that just makes me want to buy the pictures that he's on, yeah, it's, it's uh, beautiful.
1: We've got to get yeah. you to a game man, we've got to get you to a game when the, when the London series comes back do our, do our best to get you to a game
0: Awesome, yeah, I'll, I'll be up for that one Um, So you, you've met some absolute icons in sport and I think I messaged you not to go saying that you had the best job in the world because again, it, uh, on your Instagram, I've seen you um, chatting coach with Terry Henry, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, uh, Muggsy Bogues, uh, Michael Irving, a wide receiver for the Cowboys, uh, one-on-one with, with Hakeem the Dreamer Lajuan, uh, 24 Hours with Shad Khan, and the list just goes on. Uh, mm. what's, what have been your sort of personal highlights and what has felt the most surreal? It is quite
1: crazy when you read that those names back. Even when you sent me the the questions earlier, and I thought, wow, that, that, I'm I'm very, you know, grateful for those those experiences. Uh, I've worked hard, but I'm also very lucky, right? And it's, um, I would say the Shard Khan one was crazy because I wasn't presenting. It was, uh, I was I was very lucky to meet Peter King, who's a big NFL writer in the States uh, a few years, by 2015 I met him, and actually ironically before a baseball game at Fenway Park. And we got talking and he, he, you know, he asked me if I could do one of the, film one of these stories. So basically Sports Illustrated with doing 24 hour stories with big names. And one of my favorite writers at the time, Tim Rohan was gonna come over here and do a, a story on Shard Khan who owns Fulham and the Jacksonville Jaguars. So. I think he's based in Florida mostly, but his son owns Fulham now and he comes over here sporadically. So that weekend, the Jaguars and Fulham were playing. So Fulham was Saturday, Jags was Sunday at Wembley. And I was basically there to film everything. So Tim was writing the story, I was making the film. And the stuff I saw and the access I had was, I don't think it's ever gonna happen again. So this is a billionaire sports owner. So you can imagine, the, the kind of stuff I saw in terms of what he owns etc yeah. um, the, the the it was it was supposed to be a twenty four hour story but it ended up me and Tim hung out with Shard and his people for like three days so I, the film kind of it was twisted into twenty four hours if you know what I mean but the first night Friday and working with Tim was an absolute pleasure like he is such a good such a talented guy really good writer now does a lot of podcast work and it was a real experience for me like a learning curve because I was still quite young and obviously have to respect the privacy of this guy. You know, he's, he's just, he's agreed to do the story, but he's a powerful man. He's well-respected. And I just, I didn't want to tread on anyone's toes, especially Tim's who was doing the story. Right. So I have a camera on me at all times and I didn't quite know when to lift it up and film, when to put it down. And Tim at certain points was like, he would just like tap me on the shoulder to suggest, you know, maybe just, don't film this right now because you could see that he could sense that Shard was getting a little bit ticked off, but we spent Friday on his yacht. He's got this incredible yacht, which is apparently right. longer than a football pitch. Um, it's got, so we were there on a Friday. He had this party um, and that was Tim's sort of feeling out process. Don't do anything. Don't do any work. Don't bring the camera. Just let's just go along and, 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 you know, be part of the, we didn't really speak to Shard. It was like two minutes with him. And that was it. Get a live band um we got to like walk around in the yacht and it was just an amazing yacht like the bathroom my god <laughs> um just the taps were like made of gold i think real gold but that was friday night having a party on Shah khan's yacht which was obviously incredible with all these celebrities and people uh important people um saturday we went from the yacht on a on a boat all the way down the thames to craven cottage and watched the game i obviously was filming everything here so I wasn't watching the game. I was filming Shard. and He was miked up for that. And there was this lovely moment where it was hard. It was a hard sell to get him miked up for this. So I should actually say, um, I know this is a long story, but Saturday morning we were on the yacht with Shard having lunch with his with his agent. And Tim was basically trying to get as much access as possible. We found out that Shard does yoga in the mornings. And oh, I yeah. said to Tim, I would love to get that on camera. Like, How good would that be? And people watch this. If if you watch the film, it's on YouTube now um, and you see it, you might think, okay, well, they just captured that. But it was so hard to get him to agree to to have the camera on for that yoga session. Then he would go down in his gym. He was listening to Adele working out. It was all a bit bizarre, really. Um, But that was the cell. Can we mic him up for the Fulham game? So he's in the director's box with his son. He's obviously there's a lot of private conversation going on. And yes, they have veto power on what goes in and stuff. So I was just sat in the stand at Fulham filming Shard. And there was this great moment where he um, Fulham had a chance. He's going to celebrate and then he missed. He's like, oh, and he turns to his son and he goes, who was that? And there's loads of people have commented yeah. on the video like he's getting fired in the morning. Yeah. Um, so funny. And then the Sunday was at Wembley. So again, all access, pitch side. Um, I, had a, I, had a, I can't remember the guy's name now, the Baltimore Ravens owner, but him and Shab were talking. And I had this moment where I was filming Shard, and the security came over from the Ravens and were like pushing me away and saying, "You can't be filming this. Get him off the field." And I had to get Shard's agent to explain that I was filming with with Mr. Khan. Just a crazy weekend, and it was just it was an, a surreal experience.
0: Really That's crazy. Amazing. Yeah, it is a great video. I'll I'll try and post a link to it in the in the show notes so people can see it. It's, it's worth a view. It's it's mental. Thank um, you. Have you. Have you ever had any awkward moments? And if you have, uh, how did you manage to turn it into a into a positive? Were you able to rescue it at all?
1: The, diff- the most difficult interview I've done was was my first week with Sky um, reporting in Paris. And I had a, an interview with Tony Parker, NBA legend. I had a sit down with him. Really, again, tough trying to get him to sit down with us. Got it done. And he was just... There's these interviews you have where you just know that the, the guest doesn't want to be there. He's going to be difficult with you. First question I asked him, and I do my research, like I'm very proud of my prep and my work. And I knew that his dad played professionally in France. And I wanted him to elaborate on that and talk about how his dad got into the game. So my first question, I just threw him a soft, like threw him a curveball. not a curveball, a very, an underarm soft toss. Um, you know, how did you get into basketball? I knew the answer and I'm sure I, I was hoping he, he would know too that I knew but he just deadpan just said my dad was a professional that was it, that was it and I thought oh here we go and I never really rescued it it was 20 minutes of pain we got the lines that we needed but what I should have done with it is had a bit more fun so as soon as he said that I should have gone Yes, Tony, I know I've got it in my notes here that your dad was professional, but when did he take you to a game? Can you remember your first time watching your dad? How did it go? But every, everything I asked him, it was just painful. He didn't really give me a lot. So there's sometimes you're going to get that. I had another one, uh, an NFL game here in London where I, I asked player a player a question in a huddle and he looked at me like I was an alien and he went, what do you mean? And I asked him the same question again, it was a very straightforward question. I can't remember what it was now. And he looked at one of the beat reporters who was American just to basically shut me up. He goes, do you know what this guy's talking about? And I really wanted the journalist to back me up and he just went, no. And then he just went straight in for his question. Uh, Oh, thanks guys. I just backed my way out of the huddle and off I went. So I don't know about rescuing situations but I've had a few of those awkward
0: ones. Cheers for that. Um, what's the best response to a question that you've ever asked?
1: Yeah, I was thinking about this earlier, and it was—it's it's a tough one. Um, you might have to come back to me on this one. You might have to come back to me on this one.
0: You're trusting my editing skills now.
1: I have a lot of—I've uh, done a lot of interviews over the years, but it's hard to pinpoint—pinpoint um, pinpoint one.
0: Who's your favorite guest then?
1: On our MLB series, or just generally? Just in general. I think the, the best one I've ever done, um, as you mentioned before, Hakeem a large one, like having, I think it was close to two hours with this guy, oh, Solihull Sixth Form College. Can you believe it? I a canteen full of kids across the hallway. And he's, he's just in this small gym in Solihull with me, a cameraman and the Birmingham Bullets basketball coach, just four people in a gym and sat down with Hakeem for like half an hour. And then we were on the court playing for like an hour. And he was just such a nice guy. Like he, Rob, the guy who organized it, had told me that Hakeem has not done really any interviews in the UK. And at the end of the interview, he we kind of shaking hands and he said, I had re- I had a lot of fun there. And, and I, it just meant so much to me because obviously he's such a, he's such a legend um, of the game, but also... He was such a gentle giant, so polite, so gentle, so calm, so kind. And he, he, we were talking about the dream shake and how it evolved from football. He used to do stepovers when he was growing up, and it kind of evolved from that stuff like that. Just you, you, you're there, but you're not there. You're still yeah. in your head. You're thinking, how, what, how is this happening? So that was that was my favorite, I think.
0: That's brilliant. I've, I've got one of his jerseys in my, oh, in my nice. closet. Yeah, the, the guy was great like my, my favorite basketball player when i was when i was a king growing up was a uh, rodman yeah i was talking to a guy b- before about this actually um because i just got some basketball cards and i got some rodman ones i was really made up of it and i've been interviewed by him for his podcast it's like i've never met right. you as a rodman kind of guy i was like oh <laughs> yeah just, just like the dirty work getting stuck in there just not like the like more like pistons rodman than than red bulls mm-hmm. uh, than, yeah uh, the bulls rodman
1: he was so good with Detroit. Crazy! Oh, yeah. the, the documentary on on Rodman, the ESPN one, is so good.
0: I've not seen it yet.
1: Oh, you should watch it. Brilliant.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's on to do list. The, the guy was different class. Different class. Um,
1: Dif- and and different. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, as, as as I mentioned before, um, I, I do think you got the best job in the world. But are there any downsides to what you do? Uh,
1: thank you. Uh, if you were me, you would. <laughs> <laughs> you, you you definitely get the moments that you think, wow, this is crazy. But there are all, obviously there are difficult times, you know, not to mention the lack of work. Uh, there's a lot of downtime. There's a lot of emailing, chasing, planning, researching, you know, there's no guarantees. Um, when you talk about like a big break, I don't think I've had mine yet. I've had really good jobs, but becoming contracted or stuck in a place and in a good way is very difficult, especially with presenting. And you you do meet every kind of person in this age in this business as well, as talent. And I don't like that word, but as talent, you kind of you have to deal with all the politics that come with this industry. Um and we all have to play the game. I I understand that. It's not just it's not exclusive to to sports media. But there are as a as a self employed presenter as well, I've always really been self-employed whatever I've done it is challenging uh but yes when you when you do have those shows or those interviews or those trips those you know being at these events not paying for for them um being there to witness history at times as well it, it is it is the best job and i've always wanted to do it and it was just nice to you know when you list off the people that i've interviewed it, I am very grateful for that, and I, I never get ahead of myself with it. I'm, I like to think I'm quite humble about it, um, and I, I do I do appreciate the job. There are just challenging times as well, but you know that that's just going to happen, isn't it? So yeah, uh,
0: just asking the question if I can about the basic code show, um, as being one of the, the presenters on there. What, in your opinion, makes for a good host? Uh, asking for a friend. <laughs>
1: um. I remember watching back the first episode we did on Zoom, and I was I was shocked at my performance. Like I was thinking, how serious? How serious do you want to be, Max? Like I still cringe about when I look back at it. And I and I think at that time I was still honing my style as a presenter. I think that a lot of the social media work I've done for Amazon Prime has really helped me to find my style, which is very relaxed. Um, but also asking good questions but have fun with everything so as it's as the series has has evolved uh i think i think jamel has always been jamel he's very comfortable in his role and he does a lot of youtube stuff i was i was trying to find my role with bases covered am i supposed to be the baseball guy who you know knows the sport and brings jamel up to that level do i have to meet jamel halfway um what what's my role so and i think now i'm i'm getting that with um basically all of my work is a similar style and i'm and i'm sure that people will see that in the in the heavy hitter series it's just about being yourself having fun um asking you know questions that can be serious and light-hearted in the same in the same in the same sentence really you do have to adapt to your talent the guests that you have on as well um, our next guest, who I, I know I can't really announce it, but it's, he's been on the show before and me and Jamel know him so well now that we've got this rapport with him. And that really does help your presenting. You know, it helps you relax. They bring you up to a certain level. You kind of react to that level. So they're really energetic. You need to meet that as well. You need to um, engage with that. If they're a little bit more passive, perhaps you need to bring them out a little bit. Um, but I love working with Jamal. like we bounce off each other and we get on, which is really important. I think if you get on with your co-hosts, the people you work with, the producers, the directors, everyone, that really helps. So anyone that's trying to you know, come up in this business, it's also about getting on with the entire crew because it just makes for an easier day. It makes for an easier job and it makes for a better show. Um, there are still moments where I, I always judge myself. That's that's the thing I do the worst. You know, after every show, after every recording, I'm like, did I do that well ask The right question, what about that? And that's something you're always going to deal with. Self-critique, um, because your your work is you. You know, you are the product. So it's it's hard not to be, you know, tough on yourself. But I think I would say, you know, in bite-sized chunks, be yourself. Don't ever try and be, you know, a that you look up to. You can take bits from all these presenters that you enjoy, but be yourself. You have to be yourself. Even if you are the most, um, you know, mundane person (laughs) ever, that's your style, right? You just got to own that. Um, Do your research, do your planning. I am an absolute prep freak because you can have this little fact to pull out the bag. If things get difficult with a guest, bang, there's the question that you always remember. There's the stat that you know. There's the fact about their life that they've not talked about much. You know, there's always, there's always something to find out about a guest as well. So those are the things I really enjoy about about presenting.
0: Brilliant. Lovely stuff. Uh, so we're now into the bottom of the seventh, as I like to call it, and we've got three <laughs> questions. And you're either going to strike out on these or you're going to load the bases with your answers. So yeah. um, Max Whittle, thanks for coming it's on to the strike show. Strike out. Yeah. Um, do you have any hidden talents?
1: Carrot cake no um i'll make a damn good carrot cake no yeah. i would say oh man
0: <laughs> right I, I was ready with pen and paper then not kidding. i've just did, like locked down and baking i didn't get his body through uh just...
1: <laughs> looking trim mate looking trim thanks I, dude you, you know baking is cooking and baking has become uh become a thing but not a talent my my the question was hidden talent right yeah yeah i would say it has to be basketball i mean people meet me in the they, may, they might think I just talk about sport or love sport, but I don't play sport. I, I am pretty pretty handy at basketball. At least I was 10 years ago. So I'm going to claim that as my talent. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Lovely. Um, you can have a hit with that one. Uh, question <laughs> two, what, what are you most afraid of?
1: Flying. I absolutely hate flying, which isn't good for this job, but it's, it's never become easier um so if anyone's got any like tips on that you know how to get through flight maybe knock myself out probably the best one but yeah never liked it it's it's sort of it was spiders but now it's flying for sure
0: Uh, spiders on a plane yeah we make a film from that
1: yes you're right
0: (laughs) um (laughs) and and question number three uh, do you have any guilty pleasures
1: guilty pleasures about eating my carrot cake no um i mean i am a bit of a binge eater to be honest like it's bad i i i exercise a lot and i eat a lot so chocolate is bad for sure um online chess (laughs) does that count as a guilty pleasure you know it's funny one of my um one of my followers it sounds really uh stupid doesn't it um i started talking to someone on on instagram and uh we now play chess every week on Thursdays. <laughs> it's just become a thing um so it's no longer a guilty pleasure, I guess it's uh, on this podcast reveal the pleasure, but yeah, so those, those are yeah those are the things
0: and once we were a guy, and we did a sort of like icebreaker session at team meeting, and he revealed that he he was banging the jigsaws, and no one saw that coming. it's like jigsaws, <laughs> real really that's that's normal hey you know um, yeah.
1: lockdown has, has has made us uh, aware that we are or have been pretty much living unconsciously i would say we're walking we're like this constant state of partial awareness that we live with with our mobile phones and everything else and i think lockdown has um has opened up hobbies for people like the way we look at ourselves the way we think fill our time so there's a lot of you know baking cooking online chess that kind of stuff loads more reading there's just loads of things that people have picked up and it i, I think it's helped uh some people quite a lot Lockdown.
0: down yeah yeah indeed uh max that all those questions have been uh, answered perfectly thank you so much for your time uh before i oh, no let worries. you go the bases are loaded so the last word goes to the guests any shout outs any parting advice you want to give knock out the part mate
1: so, yeah, if people want to see the bases covered show that we uh, we've talked about, it's on MLB's YouTube channel. We're currently on episode two of our third series, Heavy Hitters. It's uh, a lot of fun. Our guests come in, pick a team, head into the home run batting cage. And then, you know, we do loads of challenges with them. We've got some really, really big names coming up on the series. Uh, so please check that out. And then, yeah, you can find me on Instagram, Max Whittle and Twitter, Max and uh, if anyone ever has any questions about sport or hairspray or chess or how to get into the gate the business any anything i'm always i'm always happy to answer people's questions so don't be afraid to slide into the dms as they say
0: nice awesome, one mate thank you very much i appreciate your time and uh, all the best going forward and i'll speak to you soon
1: no thank you for your support and thanks for having me on no
0: Thanks again for tuning in and also thanks to Max again for his time and insight. Truly was a pleasure chatting with him. Why not go and check out his work on Instagram at Max whittle and Twitter Max underscore whittle And make sure you subscribe to the MLB YouTube channel so you don't miss a show of bases covered. If you want to see the Celebrity All-Star game versus the London Mets from last season, the links are in the show notes. Uh, who would you like to be in your Celebrity Baseball team to face your own baseball club? Why not tweet me at Brit baseball Pod or drop me an email. Let me know who you'd have in it uh, or in the comments section and I'll tell you mine. I'm off now to go and practice my Michael Richards baseball swing. He must be doing something, right? Is it a home run after all. So Until next time, I'll see you later. ta